When it comes to fighting COVID-19, knowledge is power. It turns out, however, that some of that knowledge gets flushed down the toilet. Like many diseases, the body excretes traces of the virus in excrement. So, based off of ongoing science, it's possible to test wastewater for COVID-19 itself. Such science harkens back to the beginning of epidemiology, when Jon Snow found the source of a London cholera outbreak at the Broad Street Pump back in 1854. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Lindsay Winkley, you're a part of the UT Watchdog team, so what's the scoop? How does COVID-19 get in poop? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it gets into poop the way many things get into poop. Uh, your body breaks it down, and as it moves through your digestive system, traces of the disease um, are actually left inside your excrement. Um, and it is left it in such a degree that it can actually be measured in the wastewater sewage that collects uh, in city wastewater treatment plants. And so people are taking a look at it. It's, it's been an interesting uh, little source of, of science. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's a, our bodies have to fight. It has to go someplace. So how exactly is it tested? What do we know about the science? Yeah, so we're still doing a lot of learning, but essentially what is happening is uh, a sample of wastewater is being taken from these wastewater treatment plants. Um, and we have some samples that have been taken from wastewater treatment plants locally. And then they are sent to scientists who take a look at your poop in the laboratory to see um, what the uh, how much of the COVID-19 uh, genetic material remains in that sample. And depending on how much is left over, uh, we can, um, well, some have said that it could be possible to actually predict where hotspots or outbreaks are going to occur because of how much genetic material is inside the sewage system. Yeah, that makes sense because one of the big problems with this virus is that, you know, it can take up to two weeks before you start showing symptoms. So if you are infected, you're shedding virus sometime before that. So this would be a tool to say, oh, actually, the COVID levels are X when we thought they were Y. Yeah, absolutely. I think another point is that um, this this particular virus has been challenging to track because as we've seen in kind of example after example, there are so many people who um, are sick and show absolutely no symptoms. And so you can have a virus, um, this particular virus, traveling through a community, um, infecting all sorts of people, and never really know because uh, people may not have any interest in getting tested if they don't actually think that they are sick. And so one of the more recent studies that's been published about this actually came out of Yale. And they found that their sample actually uh, predated a COVID-19 outbreak to a week almost exactly. So as that genetic material spiked in that sewage sample, a week later, cases and hospitalizations spiked almost mirroring it exactly. It was, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, we're kind of seeing the same thing as some states, the Midwest and the South reopen, is that those spikes in cases and hospitalizations come exactly, you know, a week, 14 days after that reopening happened. So it's like, it seems this virus likes this uh, two-week window for doing its thing. Yeah, it sure does. Um, I think, too, what we all sort of realize is um, there's a lot of importance in being able to kind of quickly lock down uh, cases that are growing or instances of outbreaks. Um, that's been really a core feature of these track and trace programs that we've seen, you know, not just across our county, but everywhere. 
Um, we really want to be able to quickly identify, okay, this person is sick, this person had contact with these people um, to make sure that we can kind of lock down the spread. Uh, that being said, that's, that is a time-consuming practice and, and costly. So people are kind of looking at the possibility of sewage testing as another way to monitor communities so that we can make sure that we are uh, getting to the places that we need to get to quickly um, so that we can stem that spread. Mm -hmm. So is it safe to say that, that this method is kind of an easier way of looking at the outbreak kind of at a larger scope? It's certainly easier and cheaper in the sense that, you know, it takes a lot of bodies uh, to call everybody who may have contact with uh, with somebody who is sick. Um, and obviously tests are more expensive than kind of a one-time sample from a, from a wastewater treatment plant. That being said, there are definitely weaknesses to this model. Um, you know, as samples travel farther and farther from homes, that's giving it more and more time to break down, which means that if you have a community who's been hit particularly hard by COVID-19, but they're nowhere near a wastewater treatment plant or not close enough, then those samples might erode in time. And that's particularly problematic for us in San Diego um, because we have great weather. Um, and so the heat um, speeds up that process. And so if you've got a community on a summer day who's sending you all kinds of samples to the wastewater treatment plant, um, enough of that genetic material may not make it in time. Um, so there are some complications to the process. Hmm. And it sounds like, you know, if a government or like a research institution would choose to go down this route, this would be relatively, you know, quick and easy to set up, right? Yeah, so that's actually the part that's still sort of being worked out. Like, what is this going to look on a broad scale? So San Diego County obviously is not really employing this method. Um, we have a fair number of wastewater treatment plants. Um, there are some studies. Uh, San Diego has sent in some wastewater samples to a couple of different uh, research, uh, uh, research projects that are underway right now, including one in San Diego State University that's looking at something a little bit different, but still. Um, but how this would be employed on a massive scale and like who would be in charge of doing what? I think those are questions that are still um, not really being answered right now. Mm -hmm. And how exactly is the wastewater system set up? Because, you know, there's 3.3 million people in the county. It obviously isn't all going to one location. That's a lot of stuff. There are a lot of different wastewater. So we have wastewater treatment plants kind of located all over the map. And it's interesting because if you sort of pull up that map, I'm looking at it right now, that's why I'm not looking at you. But if you sort of pull up that map, you can sort of see what I was talking about earlier about the challenges that are posed by individuals who don't necessarily live very close to an existing wastewater treatment plant. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, again, like based on kind of the massiveness of our wastewater system, um, and, you know, how would this be something that would be implemented on a massive scale? And is that even realistic? Um, I think that we've seen a lot of, of fairly um, compelling evidence that there is some real science here. Um, but how that looks on a massive scale and how that's weaved into a county's already existing kind of tracking and tracing techniques is something that I think takes will take a little bit of work. So it seems like in general, this is kind of a possible blunt tool. So it wouldn't tell you, oh, North Park suddenly has a ton of COVID cases. It would be like this general area, maybe the size of a zip code or several zip codes is infected. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to be looking at. It would be definitely kind of the overall picture of the neighborhoods that are feeding that wastewater treatment plant. And to be quite honest, one of the things that we are exploring right now for our story is what are some of the possibilities? Like, could you get granular based on, you know, when you take your sample from the wastewater treatment plant and wastewater treatment plants, you know, sort of look different. So what do ours look like here? Where are you taking those samples? But again, these are questions that I think people aren't quite grappling yet because everybody is still sort of like waiting for the science to study itself, right? Um, and we have kind of these growing number of, of studies that are showing though that, man, we could have a leading indicator, which is huge in the battle against COVID-19 because a lot of what we rely on to kind of track, to grasp this, this sickness are after the fact measures, right? Our tests, and even if you've got a day turnaround, you're still, you know, you're not likely getting somebody at the moment of infection, which is already giving it a chance to further propagate into the community. But now we have this possible hint, right? We can take these samples from wastewater treatment plants and we can get a, a warning that like, hey, things are brewing quite literally in this area. You should take a look at that. Yeah, and like imagine if someone could tell you, hey, this part of San Diego should practice social distancing extra hard for these next couple of weeks because COVID-19 is increasing. That's certainly much more helpful than just kind of the, the broad things that we're seeing based off the current, uh, you know, 3T strategy. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely difficult to... Um you know, it's absolutely difficult to respond in a timely manner with this with this coronavirus. It's just it's been a huge challenge. And so I think that people are really looking for anything that can kind of give us a leg up. And this might be able to give us a leg up. Mm -hmm. And also when it comes to issues of sewage, uh, San Diego does have an issue with it with the border. When you kind of give us a sense of that ongoing problem that we've been dealing with for years. Yeah, so anybody who lives in San Diego for any really period of time knows that um, down by the border, especially near the Tijuana Estuary, you have um, essentially raw sewage uh, that regularly runs into that space and then feeds into the beach uh, right near Imperial Beach. Um, and so there's actually an interesting study going on right now out of SDSU um, that is going to be taking a look at um, any existing COVID samples that are coming from that particular source of sewage um, and, you know, how much is in this sewage and how long is it existing in this space? Um, I should clarify that most of the studies that have been done on kind of COVID in fecal matter have very clearly shown that this is like a dead virus. That there's not mm -hmm. enough there to um, infect somebody. But I think that scientists are still interested in taking a closer look at that. Um, and so just looking at kind of the viability of these trace amounts of COVID-19 in this particular, in that particular space, just because it's, you know, it's a problematic area already. Mm -hmm, certainly. And, you know, we'd like to know if, you know, when beaches close down in Imperial Beach and Coronado, you know, if it is possible, if this disease could circulate there, because, you know, people would like answers when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people, you know, people love the confidence of, of a peer reviewed scientific study. So um, it's nice to say like, hey, don't worry about it. We're, we're filtering it all out or or don't worry. By the time it reaches you, we're just dealing with dead husks. But I think if we can have a scientist who says that, you know, signs their their name at the bottom of a study that's been looked at by other scientists, that's that's even better. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you've been reporting this story, uh, you're still working on it. Are there any questions that you hope to get answered in the short term? Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Um, I mean, I think for me, the thing that I'm really hoping to share with people at this point um, is 
the usefulness of this, um, just why it's something that um, people are investing so much time and energy taking a look at. I want people to understand kind of the um, uh, the strength of having a leading indicator. Um, but I really am curious about kind of what this would look like. And it's a little unclear at this point if city officials would care to comment about the possibility, right? Um, but I, I still would like to get a better sense of just how interested uh, city officials would be in something like this. Um, and if they are, what that would look like once it's been implemented. Mm-hmm. Certainly, because right now we don't know how long we'll be in this new normal. And unless we get a vaccine, we're going to need every tool possible to know exactly where COVID is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, this this has the potential to be a very powerful tool. Your poop could be a very powerful tool. Who knew? Yeah. All right. Lindsay Winkley, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And now your coronavirus update. San Diego County officials announced Thursday that passive recreation will be allowed to resume at beaches next Tuesday. The new regulations would allow people in the same household to sit and sunbathe on the sand. Activities like football and volleyball are still banned, and parking lots and piers remained closed. Individual jurisdictions will decide for themselves whether to implement the loosened regulations. County officials also reported 177 new COVID-19 cases and five more deaths. The new cases represent about 3% of the 3,699 tests conducted Wednesday. The county hopes to be able to test about 5,200 residents a day. To assist in that effort, three more COVID-19 testing sites will be open starting Friday. They are Aquatica, a closed water park in Chula Vista. That site is open Monday through Friday between 9 and 3. That location can perform 180 tests per day. The Oceanside Livewell Center. This site will be open Monday through Friday between 10 and 2. This location can perform 90 tests a day. And finally, a University of San Diego parking lot at 5998 Acala Park. This testing site will be open Monday through Friday between 9 and 3. And this location can perform 180 tests per day. To make a testing appointment, call 888-634-1123, that's 888-634-1123, or the county's 211 line. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. Right now, you can read our public health stories related to the virus online for free without any of the paywall, but you can get all of your news at your fingertips, wherever and whatever you want if you're a subscriber. Don't miss a story. Go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.